Blog Talk Radio. We've had our, well, you know, we really have had kind of a mild winter here, and but it, it all changed this week, and I think we got somewhere around a foot of snow. Uh, now we're dealing with the temperatures. I think it's somewhere around 8 degrees outside with a wind uh, chill factor of about uh, 1. So, uh, yeah, it's cold. But to warm us up now, uh, Steve Wilson, uh Editor-in-Chief at SpeedwayDigest.com and our official NASCAR contributor. How you doing, sir? Well, it's cold here also. Not as cold as you are, but you can keep that. Man, I tell you what. And I posted some pictures on on, on uh, Facebook, but man, and our cars were covered and everything. I, I finally just like, you know what, screw it. I'm gonna I'm gonna pay somebody to come and take care of it. So it's everything is cleared now, but it is it is cold, cold, cold. So we got so whoa, there it came out of it. We got some something different going on here in NASCAR. Let's talk a little bit about the clash. Well, we know what the clash is, but do we know the clash in Los Angeles? That's kind of new and different, and it almost kind of scares the bejeebies out of you. Uh, talk with us a little bit about what's going on with that story, what it is, for those that might uh, not really understand what's going on with NASCAR, Los Angeles, the Coliseum, uh, not Daytona. <laughs> what's going on there? <clears throat> so NASCAR has decided that they are going to build a quarter-mile temporary racetrack inside of the L.A. Coliseum. It's kind of been mirrored off of Bowman Gray Stadium in uh, Winston-Salem, North Carolina, which is uh, another quarter-mile racetrack that runs around a football field. And, uh, you know, this is the first time since uh, around the 1960s or so that NASCAR has run inside of a stadium like this. Uh, At one time, they used to run around Soldier Field uh, do it kind of in the same fashion that they're doing, but... uh, you know they've, they've they've converted the entire coliseum now into just basically this quarter mile bull ring around there that they're gonna set 25 uh, cars loose around this thing at one time and uh, uh, hope they all don't wreck like they did uh, uh, going into turn one there at the Roval a couple of years ago. So um, is that that, that races today, right? Um, qualify well. Um, they've got uh, practice a, a little later this afternoon. Qualifying is around eight o'clock Eastern time. Uh, 
tonight, and then the heat races will be tomorrow uh, afternoon uh, starting at 6 o'clock with the main race uh, shortly after that. Nice, interesting. So let me ask you this: as as we as we look at the as I look at the pictures of of this, it's inside the the, the rose bowl there. Very, very interesting. You know, I, I guess it's similar to something. Well, as far as turning a football field into a track, they did that down in um, Bristol, I believe. Uh, not Bristol, but uh, Tennessee. Um, they, did, they did it not too long ago. Um, I can't remember exactly what it was, but. Uh, maybe it was Tennessee, University of Tennessee. You remember that game? I mean, that like, yeah, that was the, that that was uh, that was Tennessee and Virginia Tech where they turned uh, Bristol Motor Speedway right. into a football field. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. So it's it's interesting concept. You always got to wonder what what's the thinking behind it. And I guess my thinking behind it is that's a big piece of pie that that everybody's taking a part of. Especially with the NFL, the Super Bowl being out that way, uh, NASCAR wants to be a part of that. So was this, was this kind of a hey a money grab, or was there a uh, intellectual thought pattern as to why we're doing this? Or well, I mean, you know, there's there's two different lines of thinking into this. Is one is that they're trying to capitalize off the Super Bowl, who's going to be, which is going to be on Fox in a week. So they are. Um, you know, kind of partnering up with the, with their, with their TV partner to to get this done, um, as part of the kind of the prelude into the Super Bowl. The other thing is is that NASCAR fans has one thing have uh, always continued to say over the last couple of years is they want to see new racetracks and new facilities and different ideas. Um, they're tired of seeing the same. 1.5 mile racetracks tired of going to the same racetracks year after year, and then we saw what has happened in the last couple of years. Like I said, with the Roval, and then you talk about going to Coda and some of the other facilities that we're now going to. Um, now not going to Chicago or or Kentucky. Um, so you know this is uh, one of those expansions of um, going away from one of those traditional tracks or. Uh, starting the clash in Daytona like uh, has traditionally been done and uh, putting it at a different facility to kind of appease some of the uh, fan base who has continued to say that we need to see some changes in NASCAR, go to some different facilities and things like that. So it's kind of twofold again, uh, you know, with the TV partner in the Super Bowl and then trying to go to new facilities um, to just kind of, uh, you know, you know, some of those fans that, have uh, really just wanted to see new facilities. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll, you know, again, I, I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic on all of this, and, yeah, um, you know, it, you know, Clash has always traditionally been in Daytona, and, you know, uh, they really went away from it for a long time, and now they, when they finally brought it back, um, you know, they've had to make some changes to it, um, in COVID, and they ran the road course there at one point. Uh, last year to start the clash and start the year off, and uh, this year they're doing something totally different beyond that. So, um, you know, they continue to make changes, and uh, we'll see how it all turns out. Well, you got to think a lot of these changes, especially a lot of them, has been happening with the rules, the competition schedule, uh, <clears throat> certainly the cars are designed to close the gap. Uh, 
I think the teams are going to become in a, in a, a more ever than ever what we've seen before, a sort of a vice. Tempers are going to flare. I think all of this is a, a perfect storm for more flare-ups, if you will, out of the car um, and, in, and on the track, if that makes sense. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, you're putting you're putting these cars on a on a track that's half the size of Martinsville at Bristol. Um, anybody who's ever watched um, racing at Bowman Gray Stadium or seen the show The Madhouse on TV, which they documented some of the modified racing that happened at uh, Bowman Gray Stadium, uh, you'll 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 notice pretty quickly that there's not a whole lot of room to move around, and you know tempers are going to flare pretty pretty quickly. Um, you know, uh, in, in, you know, there's, there's, there, again, there's not a whole lot of room to pass either. So you're going to have to get into somebody and get them out of the way using your front bumper to move them in order to get around them in many cases. So, you know, again, this, this lends a little bit to some of that chaos that, uh, you know, drivers, uh, are, are going to have to, um, participate in, in order to run this race. Even the heat races are, are, are fairly short in themselves. So, you know, you know, these, these are things that, uh, you know, uh, has, uh, if you look at NASCAR marketing and you look at the way that market some of these races, you see a lot of these races are marketed on the fact of, uh, chaos, uh, uh, you know, and, and and drivers that you know get into one another and beat and bang around, and uh, you know, a lot of people that grew up in the old, uh, you know, NASCAR and short track racing and things like right. this. You know, this is just a normal Friday or Saturday night from most <laughs> short track racers. So, you know, oh, yeah. that's you know they're trying to they're trying to bring a little bit of that back into NASCAR that you know has uh, that we've lost by going to some of these mile and a half, two mile and two and a half mile speedways because you don't do that as much anymore. Um, so you know it's kind of bringing back a little bit of that uh, at the same time. Well, you know, this is the first time that the car that cars will race on a quarter mile track since 1971, and you know there's going to be mayhem. You know it. It's, I think, you know, like we said in other races that we know it's going to happen, it's not a matter of this, it's a matter of when. So we're going to see some mayhem, mayhem, and certainly hopefully everybody, if there's not anything major happening, well, there's going to be some cars for it, that's for sure. Uh, but, you know, for fans, this will be very entertaining. Uh, for drivers, though, I think it does challenge their personal code of what's acceptable and what's not acceptable. We're already seeing in these really close quarters, and it's really going to be an issue, I think, and I think we talked about it off, offline before, it's going to be an issue for drivers, and and more so than they they faced in, in, in recent years, and you know, uh, Joey Legato pretty much said that, I'll be 100% honest with you, there's a, a lot of times you don't know what's right, and he said, this is going to uh, create some problems, so Denny Hall- Hamilton is among other drivers who address concern if it's such a concern about drivers and driver safety and why push the envelope on this well again i think it's trying to you know again they're trying to do something new um i don't know if it's necessarily new i guess old is new um bring back some of that retro uh you know firing and saturday night racing that many people have grown up with in the sport and you know it's uh (laughs) You're right. I think it's it's going to push the boundaries of some of these drivers who have traditionally raced 
pretty clean in many of their races and you know we we don't have to worry about that out of uh you know people like Kyle Bush or you know Joe Logano who's uh you know been been involved in you know uh, some of these incidents over the years or you know even Kevin Harvick back in the day who has you know for for you know huh for 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 the most part has um become a bit milder of a race car driver in in recent years and um you know they they but you know it's 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 going to pit those drivers that that have kind of been in those situations in the past against drivers who have grown up in in, in a sport or in recent years in a sport where uh you know there there there's been less uh need to be such an aggressive driver uh, and make these kind of passes that are going to be required in order to either A, make the field, or B, win the race. And, uh, you know, again, it goes back to what I said earlier that, you know, you're, you've only got a short amount of time to go out there and do something. And, you know, if you're not using the bumper to get somebody out of the way, then you're just going to be stuck to where you are, and then somebody's just going to move you out of the way. So, you know, you're right in the fact that it's going to pit some of these drivers against one another. And, uh, you know, Denny Hamlin, he, he, you know, he grew up on these short tracks around Virginia. And, uh, you know, a lot of these drivers, they, they kind of uh, grew up uh, in, in different eras in which, you know, short track racing has evolved in a lot of uh, aspects. But, um, you know, we'll, we'll we'll have to see how some of these more milder drivers are able to, to take this on and, uh, you know, for it, this, it's definitely going to be uh, a challenge either way. And uh, you know, uh, 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 you know, Joe Logano, uh, uh, Denny Hamlin, Chase Elliott. You know, these are drivers that have done pretty well at Martinsville and places like that over the years. And uh, Kyle Busch has done well at, uh, at Bristol Motor Speedway over the years. And uh, you know, these are drivers that are going to go out there and going to um, do their short track thing, and uh, we'll see uh, how they come out uh, after running around this little quarter mile bouldering they got set up. Yeah, absolutely. And you got you got to wonder: Are we going to have a uh, another Denny uh, uh, Hamblin, Alex Bowman uh, issue at the end of the race? Maybe not those two, but yeah, I wonder. <laughs> What, 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 what the fireworks going to be? It's going to be haymakers or what? <laughs> uh, well, you know, we'll, we'll, yeah, you know, that, you know, that, you know, uh, you know, going back, you know, like I said with with Kevin Harvick a little bit, you know, I can, I can remember at at, at Richmond one year with uh, Kevin Harvick and Ricky Rudd going at it lap after lap after lap using the using the bumpers on one another to try and get around, and then they pulled them their cars on pit road and the next thing you know they're getting in a fight on pit road and i mean we, we've seen this we've seen this countless times over and over and over at martinsville we've seen it at bristol and we've seen these you know incidents that have happened all over the place i mean you know tony stewart and now you know all these drivers that have come along and you know over the years and have done this and uh you know, maybe this and maybe this brings that a little bit back. You know, I'm not advocating. I'll, I'll just be pretty clear on this. I never advocate that somebody took up a wrench or anybody like anything like that and attack another driver or use their car to attack another driver. But if you're going to get out the car and push one another around and, you know, smack one another around a little bit, you know, that's just all part of the game. That's absolutely right. Steve Wilson, editor-in-chief of SpeedwayDigest.com. Certainly everything you need to know about NASCAR and, well, racing in general. 
can can be found there. Uh, certainly, NASCAR's got a new car this year, uh, and I know a lot of it has to do with the larger diameter 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 diameter. There, there's my word. Uh, wheels, the new, of course, the new steering package, big brakes, uh, their new camera for drivers, the next gen car. Um, talk to us a little bit about the getting used to the new car. Doing this race that we're just talking about, obviously, we, we've, we've talked about everything that we think is going to happen, the wrecks, the tempers, the flares. But then you've got another adjustment, and this carries on throughout the, the, the season, and, this is, and that's this new uh, design uh, core. So talk with us about how that provides challenges as well. <clears throat> Well, you know, these, this is a car that has been in under testing and under development for the last couple of years and really was supposed to come out two years ago when, uh, you know, COVID hit. And unfortunately, they had to scale this back. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I think um, I think that's actually given them a little more time to finesse this car and get it ready to go. And uh, uh, But, you know, this is this is a wholesale change of things that, that people – um are going to be used to in a car um the, these cars are as you say are now going to have rear cameras on to them um they're no longer going to have the uh, the 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 manual style shifting that they once did in the past they're they're now going to move over to uh sequential shifting which is uh something that uh indycar and f1 and uh you know rally cars and IMSA uh sports cars have all been using for many many years. Um, they, they they've changed out independent. They've changed out the suspensions onto this to a more independent suspension package that you would see uh, on a production car in your own you know driveway. They've uh, changed out. Uh, uh, they've changed this car, the greenhouse area, to provide better safety into the car. And um, you know, there's just. It, it, they, they've they rebuilt this car from the ground up with the thought process that, again, NASCAR fans have said over the years that they don't want to see the same uh, style of racing that the, that has been produced, that much of this is follow the leader, it's hard to pass, it's hard to gain ground on the leaders, and they've they built this car so it's harder to handle, harder to pass, um, but, you know, has a better closing rate at the same time. So there's going to be some wholesale changes, and while you may not necessarily see it just in the quarter-mile race because it's going to be hard to see it then, you'll start seeing some dividends once you get to places like Daytona and Charlotte and some of these other tracks that have, um, you know, had wide spread-out racing um, with very few um, passes either for the lead or throughout the field. And they've really tried to capitalize on that to um, kind of close that gap down a little bit so that there is more competitive racing throughout the field. And, you know, one of the other biggest things that this car has done is that it's now being built by a common supplier, kind of like IndyCar does with Dollar and et cetera. And they are provided to the teams in which this makes – um, I, I don't know the numbers. I know that, you know, supposedly this will make it easier for teams to come into the support because every team is not, uh, 
doesn't have the ability to custom build their own cars, uh, which, um, you know, can potentially inflate uh, the barrier of entry into it because there's always going to be the haves and the have-nots. And supposedly, if you've got a common supplier like this, then, you know, everybody should be on a level playing field and everybody pays the same. Uh, sure, you're going to have some differences in the on the back end with engineers and things like that, they're going to be finessing these cars, suspension experts, tire experts. Um, but, you know, that that's another thing that they've gone after is kind of cost control on this at the same time. Um, and then I think the uh, one of the other biggest things is, is that they've gone to a bigger diameter um, wheel on these cars. They're like 17 or 18 inches now. Um, and they've gone away from five lugs onto it to a single lug pack that's the same uh, that you see in uh, other competitive sports, such as, again, IMSA, F1, um, IndyCar, et cetera. So there's going to be a lot of wholesale changes to these cars, but the one thing that they really did do um, was to mirror their counterpart that's on the street so that you know when it – and another thing was always the branding thing is that nobody knew what car or who anybody had other than mm-hmm. a sticker on the front and rear bumper. And now you can definitely go out there and say, look, I know I'm looking at a Mustang. Yes, I know I know I'm looking at a Camaro. Yes, I know I'm looking at a Toyota. I know what I'm looking at. I can see it on the track, and I can see it on the street. So that was one of the other things that they really kind of honed in on is to make sure that they looked almost exactly the same. You know, speaking of sponsors and, and, you know, paint schemes and that sort of thing, one of the most notable uh, paint schemes out there that we've followed for years with Kyle Busch is the M&M or, you know, what what have you. The candy uh, car, is, as they often talked about, Mars is uh, making a departure at the end of the 2022 season that was announced this week. But they will no longer be a, a sponsor in the NASCAR season, uh, I mean, in the NASCAR series. Certainly Kyle Busch has been a part of that, I believe, since the beginning of two, uh, 2008, if not very close to that. So certainly a uh, uh, very close relationship that uh, they've had with Mars. You wonder what 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 it is, or was it something that that happened with uh, Joe Gibbs Racing uh, or Kyle Busch, or was it just an economic thing? What do we know behind the scenes of why Mars and all the candy that comes with it is leaving uh, NASCAR? You know, Mars has had a long history in this sport across their various different. Uh, brands, not only Candy, but Pedigree, which is also owned by the company and others. Um, They've been part of this sport for, again, a very long time. And one of the things that they cited was uh, some of the changing economics of COVID as Mm -hmm. the reason as to why they're stepping away. And, you know, you look at a lot of these companies that have had to adjust during COVID, during the two years of COVID, and it really, you know, you, you, you know, some of these are looking at the dollars and cents that it not only costs to um, provide these partnerships, but you know, just the the economics of it all. With the, uh, you know, we can go in a political talk about this, but you know, there's there's <laughs> as much you know economic talk as there is, uh, uh, you know, the dollars and cents talk of it. So, you know, these teams are being cost conscious to not only themselves, 
but they have shareholders that they have to 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 work around at the same time. So I think it's uh, you know just one of those things that we have changing markets and they're just having to adapt like everybody else is, and it's unfortunate. Well, it's I guess that's the end going to be the end of uh, M and M's in the motor motorhome of Kyle Busch, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Free M and M's. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I I don't know. I mean, you know, I like M and M's. So. Oh, I do too. What's your favorite? What's your favorite kind of M and M? The peanut. going to be the question of the, the day. Peanut one. Throughout the show. Peanut. Oh, I like the peanuts. My grandma used to have a little jar candy dish of M and M's that she set on the coffee table when us grandkids, whenever we come over, we'd open it up and try to find our favorite favorite colors and you know you know so I. I, I I like the the peanut ones, but there's there's the the they got they had the peanut butter ones. They were like regular flavor and peanut butter, and now they released a mixed bag, so like a a mixture of all different types of uh, flavors. So we'll see how that uh, pans out. Mars leaving NASCAR. That's like a, you know that in a lot of ways. I, I saw this comparison or, or, uh, yesterday on social media. That's like Winston. Leaving NASCAR. How big? How big? I mean, do you think that's a fair comparison? Um, I think it would may probably be maybe a modern day equivalent to that. I mean, they've put a lot of money into this sport, just not only in the race cars, but think of all that they're they've sponsored outside of that, and they've put their name on the infield fan grounds at places like Richmond and Phoenix and. Uh, you know, they've done things at uh, Daytona and, you know, some of these other tracks around there. So, you know, they've had a pretty big marketing uh, campaign around just their brands in the sport. And it, it's hard to go to, to these tracks and not see M&Ms or Skittles or, you know, whatever the case may be. And it, it's just been, you know, yeah, I, I think I... You know, I think you could probably, uh, in some ways, probably to, uh, equate them to maybe a modern day Winston. And um, I came from the Winston era. I grew up in the Winston era, so uh, I know the kind of the stamp that they used to put on this board. So you know, it's uh, you know, if if there was a place that Eminem could put their name, I think Eminem put their name at it over the last twenty plus odd years. That's why we always used to steal my grandpa's uh, uh, Winston cigarettes and go and smoke them when we were a kid. <laughs> I don't smoke. I haven't <laughs> smoked in years. That was just kind of a thing that we did. We were rebellious uh, kids uh, back in the day. Uh, real quickly, uh, Steve Wilson, Speedway Digest, our official NASCAR contributor. We're going. We're rolling into the 2022 season. It's going to be exciting to watch that that clash race this evening and see. You know, there's a lot of implications for that. If it goes well, I mean, it looks like it's going to go and in other other places maybe over the next three years or whatever. So we'll see how that, that plays out. Well, our eyes are also on the, the drivers. Certainly, we, we look at the drivers that we had a lot of focus on last year and how it ended, our season ended, and our championship and that sort, sort of stuff. But let's just throw us some names out here. You just kind of uh, talk with me quickly uh, while we got a few more minutes here about these drivers. We'll just kind of talk about five of them, and I'll just – uh, spit them out to you. Uh, Kyle Larson, Martin Truex Jr., Cindy Hamilton, Chase Elliott, and Kevin Harvick, all drivers that we have on our radar for the 2022 season. Excited to watch Kyle Larson. A lot of momentum behind Kyle Larson last year. 
I'm excited to see that carry over into 2022. Hopefully there's not that uh, championship hangover or whatever, if you will. Uh, but uh, what are your thoughts on, on them as they go into the 22 uh, season? Look, you know, I think everybody was pretty impressed with what Carol Larson did last year and his redemption of coming back into NASCAR after what happened. And I think, you know, I think we can all make the agreement that, you know, while what he did was was a bad thing, uh, it turned out to be a positive thing in the end. Um, so he's uh, he, he, he definitely was uh, the dominant factor throughout the year. Um, Chase Elliott was somebody that came down to the wire in all of this as his uh, Hendrick Motorsports counterpart. And unfortunately, I think uh, Kevin Harvick, he fell fell short last year. And, uh, you know, how long he's going to be able to uh, say he wants to fall up short like he did uh, and not progress into the playoffs like he would have wanted to uh, was kind of, uh, you know, uh, uh, a little bit of a setback in – you know, while Stuart Haas racing as a whole last year wasn't exactly competitive, um, you know, it uh, hopefully, you know, with this new car, that will give them a better opportunity. So, uh, you know, just a couple of those drivers, hopefully, you know, at least one gets a turnaround in Kevin Harvick, and uh, we'll see whether uh, Kyle Larson is able to continue his domination tour. Steve Wilson, Editor-in-Chief of SpeedwayDigest.com. Where can people find your work and masterpieces, sir? You can follow us at SpeedwayDigest on Twitter, Facebook.com slash SpeedwayDigest, and SpeedwayDigest.com. Steve, you have yourself a good weekend. I'm looking forward to seeing what happens with this clash, and we'll be talking about it again next week, sir. All right. Thanks a lot. Talk to you next week. All right, buddy. We'll see you. Steve Wilson of Speedway Digest joins us. Uh, well, that's the question of the day, so we'll get it up on Twitter. What's your favorite Mars candy or your favorite M&M candy? Uh, certainly mine is the peanut as well. So what's your, as Mars leaves NASCAR, what's your, uh, what's your favorite uh, uh, candy, uh, Mars candy? And uh, we'll, we'll get that up on social media. We'll do a We'll do, <laughs> we'll do a, a poll on it. My name's Tom Marquis, El Presidente. We'll be right back with the one, the only Steve, I mean, yeah, Steve, Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles at SI.com. What's going on in the offseason as we get ready for what we know to be a Super Bowl next week? And by the way, remember, we've got our Super Bowl special next Sunday. We'll be talking about that more in a minute right here on the Balance Radio Network. And I'm called Steve. You can't let it cry At the four ends of the street Populated half the city child But I still can't find no love, baby, Lord, I can't Somebody has to heal me National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, 
travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. Morning face. You get it when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, What is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got mates. Ow, they're winning my eyes. We're moving. It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA salt and mattresses. IKEA. Love your home. Oh, hi. Uh, seen on the board, do you guys have Black Rifle coffee here? No, I'm sorry. We only carry good small batch coffee here. Well, it is great small batch coffee. Well, that really can't be unless it's fresh roasted, so, um, you know. Well, it is fresh roasted. I don't don't think you know what that means. You know what this is? This is Masa Le Pique, which, of course, in the Indonesian language, let me finish. In the Indonesian language, it's weasel coffee. You just made that up. No, it's been passed through their digestive tract. That's disgusting. And then it's nature's wet processing. Yeah, but is it good? I mean, it's all right. Are they investor philanthropists? Do they support good causes? Yeah, tons of causes. Veterans causes and first responder causes. But it doesn't matter because they make good coffee. So that's what I'm wanting. Do you have any? You know what? Actually, I'm, I'm just going to order it. They make it fresh and roasted. Okay. Right. Black Rifle Coffee. It's good. editor-in-chief of SpeedwayDigest.com, our official NASCAR contributor, talking with us about the big NASCAR race uh, this weekend happening out in Los Angeles inside the Rose Bowl Stadium. It's kind of an interesting concept, a quarter-mile track. That's the first time that's happened since 1971. Tempers will flare, and if you like mayhem, and if you like big wrecks and big fights, it's going to happen tonight, so check that out and grab your bag of M&Ms, and that's a carryover from the segment from last segment because Mars is leaving NASCAR and so we talked about the favorite M&M and that pulls up now so go ahead and take part on that but our favorite M&M is Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles. How are you sir? Hey, good morning Tom. How, how's everybody? Good. How? What's your favorite M&M? Uh, 
just the chocolate ones, I guess. Just the chocolate. Uh, you know, for going strictly or, or candy. candy. I love it. Or Mars candy in general. What's your favorite Mars candy? It could be Skittles. It could be any of their their candies. Just if M and M's isn't your choice. <laughs> Uh, probably. Well, Skittles make, is good. Do they make Mike and Ike's? Does Mars make Mike and Ike? I'm a big Mike and Ike guy too. Um, you know what? We, but, we, uh, my, you know, our friend Adam on the show here, he is a big Mike and Ike fan. And I got him a huge bucket, you know, the kind that you get at Costco, or whatever. I got him a huge bucket of <laughs> Mike and Ike's for Christmas. So, but I, I can't remember if that's made by Mars or not. But anyway, they're leaving uh, NASCAR, certainly modern-day example of big names leaving and moving around. And, 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 but a lot of comparisons have been made. You know, he, he, I know you're not a NASCAR guy, but I'm sure you remember Winston being a big part of the uh, sponsorship at NASCAR and, and Mars leaving. They've been around since 2008, and obviously Kyle Busch's car and, you know, all M&Ms and, you know, Skittles and all that cars were all – in the Joe Gibbs races, so they were leaving. So that's kind of where that that came about around about a long way. But you know, my normal bumper in music to our segment is the NFL theme song. I had to mix it up today, and you probably wonder why I played the bye bye bye. Love it. So glad I could finally play it. We are going to get to that elephant in the room. Obviously, the retirement of Tom Brady. We are going to talk about that. We don't want to. We don't want to forget about that. And we got our big Super Bowl show coming up next week, so we don't want to take a lot of steam on the Super Bowl. Uh, but I do. I want to kind of quickly go through some of our off our off season stories. There, I know you hang out at uh, there in, in Philadelphia with the Eagles, as you're the beat writer for them in SI.com. What kind of off-season stories are you wanting to break here on the balance? What's going on with the Eagles as they uh, get ready for their 20, for next season? Well, it, the big news, I guess, yesterday was it was the four-year anniversary of the Eagles' Super Bowl win over Tom Brady and the dynasty New England Patriots uh, in one of the more memorable Super Bowls, in my opinion, the 41-33 track meet back and forth. Tom Brady threw for 505 yards, but the Eagles found a way to win. And that was four years ago on February 4th in Minneapolis. And, of course, you know, one of the greatest plays in Super Bowl history happened then, which was the Philly special with Nick Foles on the receiving end of a touchdown throw, fourth and goal, 30 seconds to go in the half. And they decide not to kick the field goal from the one to go in the half with a 18-12 to 12 lead. They instead go for the touchdown and, what a play that was. So that's the big news in Philly right now is everybody's still basking in the glow of a great Super Bowl win just four years ago. And, of course, the coach of that team was Doug Peterson, and they fired him. And he's now now going to the Jacksonville Jaguars as a a new head coach. Exactly, (laughs) which is, you know, very symmetrical because it was – they hired him, I guess it was the night before – his greatest victory as a head coach, which was the Super Bowl, you know, and I kind of, all the stories were written yesterday on the fourth, the same day the Eagles won that Super Bowl, that Peterson was going to be the coach of the Jaguars. And so, you know, that's the other big story is, you know, their Super Bowl coach now has a chance to show the Eagles that they might've been wrong moving on from him so quickly. Although the Eagles did make the playoffs last year without him. Uh, But now that AFC South is very interesting with Frank Reich, who was the offensive coordinator on that team in Indianapolis, Peterson down there in Jacksonville, they'll play twice a year. And the Eagles are going to play Frank Reich in Indy this year, and they're going to host Doug Peterson. 
And then, you know, oh, by the way, the Texans are still looking for a head coach, and Jonathan Gannon is in the mix there, who was the Eagles' defensive coordinator this year, the former Colts assistant. So uh, that AFC South is going to look really interesting with some, you know, NFC East coaches in place if Gannon were to get it. But even if not, you have Reich and Peterson, who, you know, were worked together very closely four years ago to win that Super Bowl. So all sorts of dominoes falling around. You always got to wonder what happens with, with, with the dominoes uh, uh, when the dominoes start falling. And you wonder, is Urban Meyer going to go back to college? Is he just going to go off into the sunset? Going to go back? It's a question so you wonder what, what happens with him. But certainly what a big disaster it was. And all, for, not just in the wins and losses, but the off, uh, uh, the the losses, the win, the two wins, I guess that that, that the Jaguars uh, were able to do. But it, it, we'll we'll see what happens with and keep our eyes on that. Talking about coaching changes, uh, man, we were all set to break the news. In fact, you know, we almost pulled the Tom Brady, but I was just like. Asking people, are we sure about this? Are we sure about this? And Rick, and you know, Rick, I told him, he goes, I, I think this is going to be a thing. And I said, I, I'm i not going to believe it until I believe it. And then the news comes out that he's staying at Michigan. So they, I don't know the, the details of the contract. Maybe you do. But I'm pretty sure they backed up the Brinks uh, truck to uh, keep the khaki pants there in Michigan. Yeah, well, I mean, apparently he spent eight or nine hours interviewing with the Vikings and they never made him a job offer. So, uh, you know, I think he just was afraid that Michigan would move on. You know, he's flirting with the NFL. So he quickly said, Hey, I'm not, I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to stay in Michigan and I'm not going to wait for that offer from the Vikings. He didn't say that, but there was no offer for Jim Harbaugh in Minnesota. I don't know why. Um, But now, you know, he probably got some, you know, a little little bump in pay there to stick around in, in Ann Arbor. I don't know. I would assume so. But, uh, and, you know, and, it, and it's good that, that, that he's getting that. You know, he took them to the playoffs this year, right, to the national playoffs. So we'll, we'll see if that's a trend or if it's just kind of a lightning in a bottle season for Harbaugh there in Michigan. Yeah, we'll see what happens. I mean, uh, you know, certainly uh, around here, a lot of people are Notre Dame fans. Of course, uh, Adam's a big Ohio State fan. So we always refer to that team as the team up north. I have no problem staying in Michigan, but, you know, it is is what it is. It's kind of kind of comical to watch what happens out of Michigan. Some news that are happening, obviously, with Indianapolis Colts here on my homework uh, camp, if you will. Matt Uberflus went to the Chicago Bears, new head coach there. The Indianapolis Colts hired Las Vegas uh, Raiders defensive coordinator Gus Bradley for the same position. And so I'm wondering, maybe you, you follow the Raiders a little bit more and certainly follow these coordinators a little bit more than I do. Uh, but Gus Bradley seems to be, the, the guy that the Colts really, really like. And, you know, we, we talk about be, being a leader in the AFC South. You know, the Titans was a thorn in our, our side the entire season. And, you know, we put ourselves there at the beginning, don't get me wrong, and there's a lot of problems to put together. But one of the worst problems, games, or embarrassments that the Colts had was that very, very last game I guess a team that it didn't matter with, and that was the Jacksonville uh, Jaguars. The Colts didn't fire Matt Eberflus, probably maybe because they knew behind the scenes that he was going to get hired somewhere else anyway. No sense in bringing that distraction there. But that defense I, I fell apart. 
is Gus Bradley the answer? I don't know. You, do you, you know, maybe know more about him than I do, but certainly he replaces Matt Eberflus and a guy that I like with the Colts. So we'll see how it plays out. But what are your thoughts about the Colts hiring Gus Bradley as their defensive coordinator? Yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, I guess the defense did fall apart there with Indy. But, you know, to me, you know, it's about the players and the personnel. And, you know, maybe the Colts just weren't good enough, you know, personnel-wise. I'm not sure I would lay all that at the feet of Eberflus. I think, you know, coaches get a lot of blame and credit, whatever. But, I, you know, ultimately it comes down to, you know, to your personnel. And, you know, the Colts need an upgrade. And I'm not sure exactly where. You might have a better idea. But, you know, they need to upgrade that side of the ball because it just wasn't good enough. And, you know, now you have Gus Bradley, who he was a former head coach in Jacksonville. You know, he coached down there for a couple of years. But, you know, uh, didn't do well. Of course, it's rare when a coach does do well in Jacksonville. <laughs> Obviously, he wasn't the, wasn't the disaster that Urban Meyer was. And, you know, I, I don't know. Urban Meyer was just a complete mess. I don't know how he goes back to coaching. Who would who would hire him? But I, I, I guess he'll get a job. I mean, you know, Nick Saban did after he bombed in Miami. Uh, so, you know, I guess anything's possible with Urban Meyer. I wouldn't hire him. But, um, you know, I – I think that probably could be the answer as far as coordinating that defense because he's done it. I think he's a very good defensive coordinator, and I'm kind of surprised that the Raiders moved on from him, to be honest, um, because I, you know, I think he is a good coordinator, and he's been a head coach, so that's just another good ear for you know Frank Reich to run ideas by uh, and uh, you know another kind of a confidant that he can use you know in the coaching room. So, yeah, I like the hire. We'll see how it plays out, but again, I think has to do with personnel more than coaching when you have a situation like the Colts were in, having won one of their last mm-hmm. two games, and they couldn't get it done. Gus Bradley was the guy that stepped up for Gruden after he, he left, correct? No, uh, no, that was Bisacci. Uh, oh, okay. Bisaccia. Okay. okay. And, and, I, okay. and I'm, not sure if he, I'm not sure if Bradley was the D coordinator in, in Las Vegas, to be honest. I, I'm not sure where he was, but he was a D coordinator somewhere. I'm not sure it was the Raiders. You might be right, but it, it might have been somewhere else. I, I can't recall right now. I thought maybe it was the Chargers, but I, I might be wrong about that. Um, but yeah, he, you know, he's a good, he's a good coach. I mean, Eagles when the Eagles had their job opening before they hired Doug Peterson in 2016, they were they were in on. Uh, actually, I think it was Chip Kelly. They were in on uh, Gus Bradley back in 2013 uh, as their head coach, and then. He didn't get the job. They went with Chip. But, uh, yeah, when you talk about Peterson, Peterson succeeded Chip Kelly, who was, of course, some Mm -hmm. egomaniacal coach from the college ranks that couldn't get it done at at the big boy level. And now same with Urban Meyer, some egomaniacal coach that can't wear the big boy pants and flamed out, you know, in historic fashion. And now here comes Doug Peterson. You know, he's kind of like the cleaner of the NFL, you know. He comes in and scrubs up the, the, the mess that these college coaches make because they can't coach at the big-time level. So I, I'm curious about another. So we're talking with Ed Kraft, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, SI.com, our official NFL contributor. Certainly a lot of things happened in the NFL offseason. I do want to get to the Tom Brady story and all that, but another story that just kind of – flared up, and now it just seems to have disappeared. I don't really understand the whole story, and maybe you can bring some light to it, but it certainly sounds like some shenanigans. There was a report that someone heard Stephen Ross offer Brian Flores $100,000 for each 2019 loss, and that was up on NFL.com, and it's 
seems to have gone bye-bye now. What, is there any – they say where there's smoke, there's fire. Is there any fire here? Is this somebody trying to get a publicity grab? I, I, I'm not sure, but if this is true, this is really, really bad, bad for the NFL. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, I don't know how you keep Stephen Ross as as an owner. You almost have to force him to sell the team if that's true. And then, of course, Hugh Jackson, you know, he says he was offered 50000 a year from, you know, Haslam in Cleveland to tank some games. But uh, I hope there's documentation if this is the, the case. I mean, you're obviously you're going to need some kind of, uh, you know, smoking gun or evidence to show that, yeah, this, this took place. I mean, otherwise it's a, he said, he said, and it's probably not going to grow any legs. Now, I guess the NFL is investigating to see if that were the case. And, you know, we've all seen how Roger Goodell and his investigative team do business. They swept everything under the rug with the whole sexual scandal that was going on in Washington with Daniel Snyder that never came to light we saw it and you know when they were investigating Spygate with Bill Belichick back in 2005 and 6 they burned all the tapes of them filming practices before anybody could view them so you know I don't have a whole lot of confidence that Roger Goodell is going to get to the true answer Uh, but if Brian Flores and even Hugh Jackson now who's kind of jumped on this you know tanking train if they have documented proof if they have texts which i think would be stupid if the owners were to do that put anything and leave any kind of paper trail but if they have it then yeah it's a problem for the nfl if not it's just more he said he said and it just won't go anywhere well yeah you're right roger cadell doesn't always do the uh, the best of investigations of course he he, he somehow came to life uh, during Bountygate, you know, with Sean Payton and, and somehow came to life uh, with the, um, uh, the, oh, Bob Kravitz here in Indianapolis uh, uh, exposed it. It was the, where they were, the air in the balls or whatever, Tom Brady's balls uh, it, or whatever. Uh, <laughs> deflate gate. Uh, deflate yeah, I mean, gate. nothing but my- yeah, deflate gate. Yeah, nothing That's, really came of that. I mean, you know, I, I guess he got fined and stuff, and there wasn't. You know, I was really never. You know, that to me was wasn't as big as spying on another team and shooting video of other teams' practices like the Patriots did. You know, a couple decades ago. You know, yeah. uh, and now that scandal in D.C. that really kind of went nowhere or was really publicized at all. So, I don't expect that. Anything will happen with Stephen Ross. And that's like I said, Brian Flores goes on Good Morning America or one of those TV shows and says, look, here's a text saying from Stephen Ross saying, hey, there's $100,000 for every game you lose from here on out. I just don't see where it goes and, and what it is. But, that, you know, that said, I give Brian Flores a lot of credit, you know, for his convictions on what he believes that the NFL has a, a hiring problem as far as African-Americans go. And he's right. Only one head coach is a black coach in the NFL, which is, you know, uh, ridiculous, to be honest. When you look at some of the qualified coaches that are out there, Brian Flores being one of them, but he felt so strongly about, you know, I guess he's being called the Rosa Parks now of the NFL, but he felt so strongly about his convictions that he was willing to probably burn any potential bridge to a head coaching job the rest of his career. Um, so we'll see where that goes, but I give him credit. You know, he really, sh- he's trying to shine a spotlight on a problem and it is a problem uh, that the NFL has hiring minority candidates. You know, I, 
absolutely right, and, and we could get off on the weeds on that. And, and the, the the problem is, you know, it's the NFL is. Is there even any African American owners in the NFL? I really don't think so. It doesn't come to mind. I haven't seen any. Doesn't ring a bell right. to me. Right. So that might be and part of the problem. That's problem. That, you that know, is a problem. If yes, me. But yeah. There again, how can they? I mean, okay. Let's just for an example here, just because we were talking about Ross. You know, obviously he's facing criminal liability under the Sports Bribery Act. That's reason enough to remove him from ownership. Now, right. when we when we they remove him from ownership, if that actually happens, how do they control who the team brings in or who buys the team? Do do they have qualified both African American? Owners that want to buy the team, whether it be in a, a corporation of things, i.e., Michael Jordan, he, he bought a race team. I'm not saying that he would buy the he would buy uh, 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 Ross's team. He would buy, uh, but uh, what, where's the pool of applicants, if you will, yeah. to buy yeah. a uh, NFL team? I don't know. Yeah. I don't. I don't know either. You know, and and again, if if you have someone that steps up and offers, you know, they have the money and all the wherewithal to buy a team, then it has to get voted on by, you know, the NFL owners if they're willing to accept that offer. Uh, but you're right. I, I mean, I don't know who would have the money. I, you know, some music star. You know, might I, I don't know, or some former athlete. Uh, but I, yeah, you're right. I don't know who would buy it. I wish I could buy him. <laughs> I would love to buy an NFL team. I think that would be great. But uh, you know, listen, it's not going to be me. It's not going to be you. Uh, but I don't know who it's going to be. But I would imagine someone would be willing to put up some money to buy the Miami Dolphins. No, I agree. Totally agree with you. You know, going along the same subject, just just so we put that out there for the record, the 49ers are going to hire, it sounds like they're going to hire Anthony Lynn as their assistant head coach. Not the head coach, I get it, but, you know, he is African-American. And that's where, where we, we look at. Uh, that's that's happening as well. Uh, but I also want to get into the big story. Tom Brady made it official. <laughs> now, why am, I, why am I so full of glee about it? No, actually, you know, in all, in all seriousness, what I mean, multi Super Bowl winner, multi MVP, you know, really came from nowhere. Low draft. Everybody knows the story where Tom Brady came from within the the NFL. I mean, you, you, he came in at the at the scoop role basically, and to to fill in uh, for um, uh, brain fart, but he got hurt, and Tom Brady never looked back. And so, you know, as much as cold stands as we are. are in, Elated that Tom Brady has retired, or just as people in general get tired of talking about Tom Brady, Tom Brady was one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, if not in the top five of ever of all time, certainly of our generation. Uh, Tom Brady's retirement, and you know, between him and his wife, is going to have no problem uh, financially or anything like that. They're set up. His kids are set up. I mean, really, if you, if you want to point to, hey, a dream life. You know, grow up, become an NFL Super Bowl champion, marry a, su- a supermodel, have multiple properties, you know, have the world at your fingers. Tom Brady was that. Can't fault him for that. But uh, what are your thoughts on the retirement of Tom Brady? Yeah, I mean, it's going to be weird not to see him out there. I mean, he's been the quarterback of an NFL team since, what, 2000? I mean, think back how young we were and everybody out there was. 
in 2000 and how different our lives were 22 years ago. Um, so really kind of almost half of my life, Tom Brady has been uh, a quarterback for an NFL team. And that's, that's crazy. You know, and I think about how, you know, and I know that the Colts had their battles with, with Brady when he was in New England and the Eagles lost the Super Bowl to him in 05. And then they got back there in 17 and there's still Brady waiting for him. You know, it's like, wow, you know, things just never change. I mean, the Eagles have been through four or five quarterbacks since the last time they made the Super Bowl. And now here they are with Nick Foles trying to beat Tom Brady again. I mean, it, it's just going to be weird. And, you know, uh, I'm kind of glad he's not around anymore uh, just because, uh, I don't know, I got Brady fatigue. But uh, that happens when teams and players, you know, really win everything. You get a little tired of it, I think. And and that's why the Bengals, to me, are a real team to root for next weekend because they've never won anything. And, um, you know, I guess the Rams really haven't either. Uh, for a very long time, but you know, I like that upcoming team, the Rams or the Bengals that Cincinnati's never seen a Super Bowl, and I know what it did for the fans of Philadelphia when they won. And now you want to see every city celebrate at least one Super Bowl because it means a lot to that city and to a fan base. But um, I, you know, I was always told root for greatness, and I and for there was a while there where I rooted for Brady, but then you get tired of him. And, you know, it's the same with anything. You know, I always rooted for Alabama when they were downtrodden, and now they're so good. It's like, boy, I'd like to like to see them lose once in a while. So it's nice to admire greatness and appreciate greatness, but after a while I get a little tired of it, and I want to see some new blood in there. And that's kind of how I feel about Brady. Is you know. Uh, what a great career. I'll admit he was the greatest quarterback of all time. I mean, he played in 10 Super Bowls, played in the league 12 years, I mean, 22 years, and he was in the Super Bowl almost half the time, which is crazy. Um, Just a great, phenomenal quarterback. His desire to succeed and that chip on his shoulder, he was able to, you know, polish every single year to achieve greatness is something we'll never see again. Well, a lot of people think that had he not lost, this last the playoff games there against um, brain fart, uh, uh, but either which way that he would have gone on to another Super Bowl. Of course, everybody wants to say that. I wish him luck. I'm sure we haven't seen the last of him. Man, you know who I was having a brain fart with was Drew Bledsoe. Drew Bledsoe was the quarterback for the New England Patriots. Got hurt, Tom Brady. Nobody knew about who Tom Brady is. This kid gets drafted from Michigan. Who is this guy? Come on, you know. Okay, he's he's a backup quarterback. Little did we know what was about to be introduced to our world when that happened. So, uh, Tom Brady yeah. retirement, huge huge story uh, as as well. We're talking with Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles. Real quickly, we're going to have our Super Bowl show next week. I hopefully uh, you'll be a part of it. Uh, we're going to be breaking down both the Rams and the Bagels, and that's all we'll be talking about. Um, but it was an exciting two games uh, to get there to, to for the especially the Bengals. I'll tell you what, that was exciting to see the Bengals get in. And it just, you know, I have all kind of, of course, I'm an hour away from Cincinnati. So we're inundated with Bengals fans around here, especially uh, Colt Rogue fans that decided that they wanted to go rogue a few years ago. And, <laughs> and, and uh, uh, Cincinnati's just an hour away. And so if you live in the north suburbs of Indianapolis, you drive that far just to go to Lucas Oil. So it's not the end of the world. Uh, but I, a lot of fan, fans were uh, 
ecstatic about uh, the the Bengals. Some people have never even seen that in their entire life. Uh, Sean Ash, who, who works in local media here, he's 33 years old, and he's like, I've been waiting 33 years for this, and you know, did a real big exci- exciting thing on Twitter, and, and really, really exciting. So I'm excited to see the Bengals. I have to admit, I'm rooting. I'm on that Bengals bandwagon against the Rams, but my company that I work for that that pays my bills and the mortgage and all that stuff. Uh, they're based out in uh, California. And so there's a lot of Rams fans uh, that are Southern California people that I've been hearing all day, all week. So it's been a, 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 a both sides coming at you. So it's going to be an exciting uh, Super Bowl. It was exciting to see how both of these teams got in there. When you look at the, the uh, championship games from last week, what, what were your takeaways? What were your thoughts? Remember how everybody made a big deal about how the overtime rules need to be changed when the Bills didn't get a, ch- a chance in overtime, you know, two weeks ago uh, after the Chiefs scored that touchdown to win the game in the divisional round. And then, you know, and I, I may probably still need to be tweaked a bit. I don't know what the answer is. But I think some of that quieted down when you saw what happened when the Chiefs won the toss. Everybody's like, oh, here we go again. Kansas City is going to go down and put up a touchdown. But, you know, the Bengals did a good job on defense, something mm-hmm. the Bills couldn't do. And the Bills gave up a touch or a field goal with 13 seconds left. So, yeah. clearly, that's on the Bills' defense to me. Uh, but the Bengals, they made that interception. My God, I was so shocked uh, when, that, when they made that pick. And it was third and long. You know, the Bengals won first and second down on that series. And that put them in third and desperate, and that's what led to the pick. And, you know, that to me was like, oh, boy, the Bengals are going to win this game. And sure enough, they drove it right down for an easy field goal, and um, it was great to see. I mean, Joe Burrow to me, I mean, I, you know, 25 years old, whatever he is, and easy guy to root for. Um, I was glad to see it. You know, I was happy He's to see it He's also an easy guy to make fun of with memes, just saying. Yeah, yeah, I know the whole Macaulay Culkin yeah. thing. But, did you see the but, you know, Did you see the the meme that was going around uh, where he had the gold necklace and the diamond and the, and the big jacket and whatever? And somebody on the meme goes, "Hey, uh, Joe Burrow, the Super Bowl shuffle went away a long time ago." <laughs> <laughs> well, how about Icky Woods? We got to see Icky Woods at the trophy ceremony there after they beat the Chiefs. Icky Woods. Yeah. Uh, you know, looking like, he, you know, he hasn't missed a meal in a while. But, you know, it was cool to see, you know, them trying to do the shuffle again. I don't know if he can still do it. But, uh, yeah, that, that yeah. was a funny meme. Uh, yeah. yeah. But, yeah, and the Rams and the Rams beating the 49ers, uh, you know, Jimmy G just, you know, he's an average quarterback. And the Rams clamped down on him when they had to. Uh, that offense couldn't do anything, which was a surprise. I didn't think Kyle Shanahan. The coach of San Fran had a very good game. I don't think Sean McVay had a great game as a coach. I think the teams and the players won, the Rams won, but the players, in spite of the coaching. And that's what I was talking about earlier. I think, you know, it's on the players to get things done. And it's not, you know, the coordinators and the coaches, yeah, they're, they're a part of it, but it's the players who need to go out there and execute. And you need to be – you need to have good players, and that's what it comes down to. Well, certainly uh... – uh, San Francisco loves Jimmy G. We got some uh, 49er fans that I work with, but there's another group of fans that like Jimmy G and are, and are following this backroom discussions. Uh, Jimmy G might be wearing a blue uniform next year. Hmm. Poss- 
possibility. Mm, we'll see how hope it not. happens. <laughs> uh, everybody's <laughs> grasping it at any straw that they can uh, with the Carson Wentz, which we beat that story uh, to death. Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles and SI.com. I know you got some wrestling coaching to get to. Hopefully that goes uh, well for you today. I, I appreciate you jumping on with us and, and alternating our, our normal segment. Next week is our Super Bowl special, so clear all your wrestling uh, stuff for that. We'll get our official picks on that. I may have uh, accidentally gave a hint to who my pick is, but we're just going to have to keep it in suspense till next week. Where can people find you? Where can masterpieces, Ed? Sounds good. Follow me on Twitter at Kratzee, K-R-A-C-Z-E, or uh, at EagleMaven.com. You can find um, the stories and, uh, you know, that's where I put all my links on Twitter and on, on Eagle Maven. So, uh, yeah, that's where you can find me. And we'll get it up on social media. Thanks, Ed. Have yourself a good weekend, sir. Thanks, Tom. You too. Bye-bye. All right. Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles and SI.com, joins us to kind of break down as we go into the offseason what's going on. And when I got a couple more, uh, well, actually, probably one more show with uh, Ed before he he goes off into the sunset for the the offseason. My name is Tom Marquisel, Presidente. We'll be right back right here on the Balance Radio Network. Right around the corner, Tony Donahue for the Tony T Podcast. He's got some exciting things to talk with us about. Also, he's our official NBA contributor, uh, so we're going to talk with him about what's going on in the NBA. My name is Tom Marquis, El Presidente. Stop midnight tea top jack and her cherry coke pen. Mama and daddy put the roots right here. Cause this is where the car broke down. Yellow dog school bus kicking up red bus kicking us up by barbed wire fence. The Air National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. Morning face. You get it when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got mace. Ow, they're one my eyes. Quit moving. It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA salt and mattresses. IKEA, love your home. Oh, hi. Uh, 
seen on the board. Do you guys have Black Rifle coffee here? No, I'm sorry. We only carry good small batch coffee here. Well, it is great small batch coffee. Well, that really can't be unless it's fresh roasted. So, um, you know. Well, it is fresh roasted. I don't, I don't think you know what that means. You know what this is? This is Masa Lekwa Piquet, which of course in the Indonesian language, oh, let me finish. In the Indonesian language, it's weasel coffee. You just made that up. No, it's been passed through their digestive tract. That's disgusting. And then it's nature's wet processing. Yeah, but is it good? I mean, it's all right. Are they investor philanthropists? Do they support good causes? Yeah, tons of causes. Veterans causes and first responder causes, but it doesn't matter because they make good coffee. So that's what I'm wanting. Do you have any? You know what? Actually, I'm, I'm just going to order it. They make it fresh and roasted. Okay. Right. Black Rifle Coffee. It's good. All right, welcome back to The Balance. My name is Tom Marcus President. Hey, we are most about ready to wrap it up in the last quarter of the game. We saved the best for last. Uh, thank you, Steve Wilson, uh, editor-in-chief of SpeedwayDigest.com, our official NASCAR contributor, uh, talking about the big clash tonight out in California, Los Angeles, Rose Bowl to be exact, quarter-mile track. It's going to be exciting. A lot of mayhem. We'll get into some more conversation of that in just a minute. Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, certainly uh, talking about what's going on in the offseason with the NFL as we get ready for the Super Bowl. Exciting times, especially around here in Indianapolis, where I reside. A lot of Bengal fans, uh, that's for sure. But joining us now, Tony Donahue of the Tony D Podcast. And another credit to add to his, we'll let him get to that in just a second. Tony, how are you doing, sir? Great. Good morning. How are you? Fantastic. Just a little bit, of, and we, I want to get into your, your your thing here. Tony Donahue podcast, Tony D podcast, and now you've got another credit going on, and that's your new website. Tell us about it. Yeah, burnoutsports.com, a lot of uh, cool racing stuff, and you mentioned the clash coming up tomorrow with some heat races tonight, and, you know, kudos to NASCAR for kind of going back to their roots on a short track, but but make it a little bit more modern in one of the coolest stadiums in the country. So um, it should be a fun race. It's, it's, a, it's a short track. There'll be a lot of beating and banging going on. Burnout is a, it's burnout.com, correct? Burnoutsports.com. Burnoutsports.com, yep. All right, buddy. We've got it posted, and we're looking forward to, to that. You know, talking a little bit of NASCAR, because it brings us to our question of the day. Mars, after 2008, have been with, with NASCAR since 2008, Joe Gibbs Racing, obviously, uh, very well known with Kyle Busch uh, uh, in the M&M cars, the Skittles car. And I said, said hey, we're, at the end of the season, we're taking our candy and going elsewhere. I think it was more of an economic decision more than anything. Uh, but a lot of comparisons this week on social media have been in different eras, different generations, yes. But this was one of the biggest names associated with NASCAR since Winston. What are your thoughts about uh, Mars leaving uh, Joe Gibbs <clears throat> Racing? Yeah, it's going to be a little bit weird. If you know, we 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 we've kind of grown accustomed to Kyle Busch being with that sponsorship, and then even before that, you know, it was on different cars in the '90s and the early 2000s. But 
I guess sometimes you 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 see better value in your sponsorship dollars, and 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 you take it elsewhere. So it, it'll be a little weird, um, but that's just kind of how the business of motorsports goes. There's there's ups and downs to these things, and hopefully they'll see value in in, in return here in the near future. Well, one thing for sure, Mars has great candy. M&M is their trademark uh, candy, if you will. So our question of the day, we've asked everybody, what's your favorite M&M? Those new fudge brownie ones are uh, pretty legit. I'll give you that. I haven't had those. I've heard that those were, were uh, uh, pretty pretty good. That's that's for sure. So really, it, it is exciting to see the class. You know, they haven't been on a quarter mile since, I think, 1971. Here's, here's the thing that I think is going to be interesting. A lot of drivers are concerned about is it not is there going to be mayhem, but when the mayhem happens. And this could be very, very bad because we've got new rules, we've got new cars. We'll get into the NBA talk here in just a second because I know you also uh, help us out with the NBA. Uh, but there's going to be a lot going on. It's exciting for the fans. It's it going to be a temper flare for uh, the drivers, and we're going to – possibly see a huge huge carnage hopefully not in the first turn like at first start there like we saw at the rubble in charlotte when it started uh but you know it's going to be a lot of and anticipated as them off uh off out of the car on the track fireworks what do you say to that part of the story yeah i mean you look at a short track that is going to provide some sparks, you know, one of the coolest settings that we'll ever see with an NASCAR race. Plus, there's no points for this. So you're basically battling for just to win the prize money to get your sponsor in the victory circle. So, um, yeah, we'll see a lot of bumping and banging. I think you'll see a lot of guys get booted out of the lead. Uh, it's a 150-lap race. I think we'll see uh, at least half of that ran under caution. I wish the caution laps wouldn't count. But um, we'll see a lot of yellows, and people are going to be moving each other out of the way. So, I think you want to be second going into that final turn because you'll be the guy to be able to turn the guy in front of you to get to get ahead for the win. Tony Donahue, the Tony D uh, podcast and BurnoutSports.com uh, joins us, and also our NBA contributor. So let's talk some NBA. Pacers still trying to find uh, their way, or they know their way. They're just <laughs> waiting till the end of the season. Uh, certainly, uh, uh, any loss is disappointing. Pointing, I guess, but I don't know. You would think that the, the Pacers have it together to beat the Bulls. That's not the case. Well, the Bulls are a good team this year. You know, they're a playoff team despite the fact that they don't have Zach Levine right now or Lonzo Ball. They're still a, a, a good team that is going to be in the playoffs that has played well so far this year. The Pacers got a bunch of guy on ten day contracts and a bunch of dudes that um, you know haven't haven't played and haven't got that experience. So. Um, you know, some nights they win and you're like, damn it, why'd they win? I want them to lose so they can get a better draft pick. And then other nights you think that they should compete and beat the Orlando Magic like on Tuesday or like on Monday and they blow a big lead and lose that game by one. So it's a hit or miss team. I'm just ready to get to the uh the NBA draft. There you go. Well, hey, just out of curiosity, did the are the Pacers gonna regret passing on the De'Aaron Fox trade? Um, yeah, you know, I, I wouldn't mind Aaron Fox here, but he's on an expiring contract. So you're taking that risk that he doesn't re-sign here, and maybe because he's closer to Lexington than he would, uh, but you're still taking that risk. So I think you kind of you, – you, you avoid that um, if you can, unless they throw a huge offer that includes De'Aaron and maybe their first-round pick, but I don't see that happening. 
Interesting story out of the Pacers also. Lance Stevenson agrees to deal a deal with the Pacers for the rest of the season. Kind of gets me scratching my head. I, 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 is, there, is there logic behind that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's brought the fans, some of the fans back. He brings excitement. I mean, he's 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 better than some of these guys you got on ten day contracts. He's 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 an exciting guy to watch. Fans still come out to just to see him and cheer for him. Um, he's played okay. I mean, there's ups and downs when it comes to Lance, but I would rather uh, I would rather have Lance than some of the other guys out there or we see it on other teams. So yeah, I I, I definitely like the move to keep him around. Well, let's talk about what's going on in the in the trade world as we look at what's happening in, in the trade in the NBA. You don't have to go on through every single trade, uh, but what are some of the takeaways and some of the highlights that we've seen in uh, the trade uh, world in the NBA? Yeah, just you look at the, 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 the Clippers setting Eric Bledsoe to the Blazers, which is an expiring contract. And really the, the, the Blazers just needed to get rid of some of their contracts that – were kind of costing them a lot, and that was Norman Powell, who they got in the trade two years ago, and and Robert Covington, who they got in the trade from Philadelphia th- two years ago. So, um, just kind of a salary dump, knowing that they're probably not going to make the playoffs. And Damian Lillard's been hurt, but they still need a point guard. Um, if they can get healthy, and you've got Eric Bledsoe coming off your bench, I think the Blazers could could can make a little bit of a noise. But we'll see if they stay healthy. You know, teams rank seven and ten uh, between seven and ten, whatever. Will co- compete. In, I don't know if you saw the, the Twitter. Sorry, will compete in the play-in tournament to secure the final two spots for each uh, conference in the NBA playoffs. Uh, as we look at the the, the play-in standings, if you will, with the West and the East, uh, what are your thoughts? Who stands to get in? Who who are we looking at as far as the play-in tournament? I, I mean, you've got to, uh, the Lakers still there. You've got uh, uh, Portland's still there. You've got Atlanta still there. Uh, what, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, Atlanta's a team that, um, you know, you look at, has been up and down. Trey Young, Clint Capella's good, but, you know, they started out hot. They've kind of slowed down ever since. Um, the Lakers will be okay. They've just been unhealthy, and LeBron's been resting a lot. So once he gets back to full form, um, he'll be all good. You know, do you, if you had a fan base, you know, do you want to be in that playing game or would you rather be in the NBA lottery? I mean, it just kind of depends on your take on your team's future. So, you know, you, the the Pacers are on the outside looking in. I don't want to see them make that because that kind of that, that might screw up their draft pick and they're going to end up picking exactly. 15th or 16th, which do them no good. So, um, I'm at the point now where we'll see what the Pacers do. I hope they don't trade Sabonis, but they might. Miles Turner's on the block as well. Jeremy Lamb needs to go. I wish you could trade Malcolm Brogdon, but you can't. Um, so we'll just see uh, what they do, but hopefully it's uh, more of the quote-unquote tanking so they can get a better draft pick. If we uh, look at the MVP race and we decided it today, uh, would Stephen uh, Stephen Curry uh, get the MVP or would it be Amalid, can I ever pronounce that name, or Jokic? Um, You know, I think right now if you're looking for an MVP, <clears throat> Sorry, it's got to be a few guys, but Jokic is, is, is keeping the Nuggets um, relevant. I think that um, Luke is always going to be in that conversation. LeBron's always going to be in that conversation. So, um, still plenty of games left to be played at the All Star break coming up next week. Tony Donahue of the Tony D Podcast and uh, 
burnoutsports.com. Burnoutsports.com, I wanted to take some time to feature that with you today. So go ahead and talk with us a little bit about how Burnout Sports came about, what you guys are doing, what you're covering, and, and I'll give you a, a, a few moments here to, to talk about burnoutsports.com and who you guys are and, and uh, what you got going on. Yeah, we're just going to be talking a lot of racing. Uh, NASCAR got you covered there, IndyCar. Um, just kind of breaking down what we see, doing some interactive stuff at the tracks, talking to a lot of the drivers, and just overall having a lot of fun trying to bring a, a newer, younger uh, audience to racing. And hopefully we can do that through this website. Well, I'm excited to follow it. Follow it. Uh, you know, I, I kind of looked at it and had, had, had a lot of time in it. But uh, are, are you going to be doing, like, uh, pieces of – because I know you follow a lot of IndyCar and uh, the, the – the history of the race, I guess is what I'm saying, especially uh, with IMS, a lot of history. You're going to be doing a lot of stories and stuff as you get closer to May and with that. Yep, we'll be out there at the track. We'll be uh, finding some of the storylines, talking to a bunch of the drivers, and giving predictions all month. Well, I'm excited to, to do that. Are you going to incorporate your podcast into that? Yep, we'll have a podcast. We'll have video. We'll have everything that you need. Excited for Tony Donahue of the Tony D Podcast and BurnoutSports.com. Uh, Tony, not a lot more to talk about on the NBA, but I'll let you go ahead and, and uh, give us some final words of wisdom, what to look at as far as the NBA, as far as games, key games today and throughout the weekend that we should be having our eyes on. Cool, kind of cool we get that marquee matchup back on, on Saturday night, prime time, uh, with tonight the Lakers and the Knicks, um, you know, the all-star team was, was talked about the other day. Um, it's just, I think you got to look at a guy. We talked about the MVP race, but the Grizzlies have been great. John Moran has been a phenomenal uh, shoot, 26 points per game. He's really um, kind of taken over as a superstar. Maybe obviously a little bit more than Zion Williams, who he came out of the draft with. And, and Zion is a guy who's been injured and hasn't played and, and, and jobs, but healthy and uh, been dunking out the gym. So, um, should be good. Uh, as far as games today, I mean, that's your marquee matchup right there is is uh, Knicks and Bucks, even or sorry, Knicks and Lakers, even though they're both uh, under 500. They're still teams that I think we'll, we will see in the playoffs. Tomorrow there's some good games. Bulls and Sixers will be uh, entertaining. We'll see what the Nets do. They're looking to trade James Harden to the Philadelphia 76ers for the trade deadline. We'll see if that happens. Um, the Mavericks have been playing up and down without – uh, with Luca playing without Kristaps Porzingis, um, and then you got Clippers Bucks tomorrow night. Once the Clippers get healthy, get Kawhi Leonard and Paul George back, I I think that they're a team that's going to be uh, one to talk about out west. You know, you were talking a little bit about the Sixers, and and you know certainly there's a, some big news with the trade with Ben Simmons deal going. I think a lot of fans aren't going to be very happy with that. Uh, but uh, what are your thoughts on the Ben Simmons trade, Sixers? Yeah, I mean, you just you just kind of you kind of been waiting to see what happens with Ben Simmons and, and and where they move him to and 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 where he ends up and I think maybe sending him to Brooklyn and in exchange for James Harden maybe a pick is something that the that both the Nets and the 76ers would be willing to do. I definitely know that the 76ers would be willing to do it. We'll see if the Nets are willing to give him up um, or, and 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 see what they're willing to give up Harden for. 
Well, we've got us a Super Bowl coming up next weekend. Hopefully you can be a part of the Super Bowl show. I know you've got your, your uh, hand on the pulse of Vegas and betting. Uh, what's, uh, what's the trend, if you will, since we've, we've come through the playoffs? We know who's going to be in the Super Bowl. Uh, save your official pick until next week if you're able to come on. Uh, but really exciting, especially living here in Indianapolis, so very close to Cincinnati. Got a lot of friends that are that are Cincinnati fans, and I know you know Sean Ash. I don't know if you saw his Twitter and Facebook post. He's I've been waiting 33 years for this. He's throwing his kids up in the air. Really, really exciting, and that just it goes through the entire Bengal Nation. I mean, it is exciting to see a team that's not been there get there. But really exciting uh, for that. And then uh, the Rams, obviously, as well. So, you know, the Vegas world, the Vegas community, are they shook up with the Bengals going to the Super Bowl? Uh, what's, what's your thought on that? What's your thought on it? Well, people are saying, okay, this is the time of year where I put a little money down. Uh, what, what, any advice you got for them or who to go with or not to go with? Or <laughs> Yeah, I mean, not, some of the odds haven't came out yet. I'm a big fan of Matt Stafford. I hope he plays well. But the way the Bengals have been playing, they're super hot. And Joe Burrow doesn't seem phased by anything. So, uh, I think we'll see one hell of a game. And, and we're going to get at least a team that hasn't won a Super Bowl um, all time in the Bengals. And then a team in the Rams who hasn't won it since, uh, you know, the Kurt Warner days. So, um, it's, 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 it's nice to see two new teams in there. And uh, hopefully it'll be a fun one. Well, I tell you what, it's going to be exciting to, 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 to see what happens. I know that you're also a, a Colts fan, but uh, I don't know if you're going to be uh, rooting for the for the Bengals. But uh, uh, the Colts, though, uh, real quickly, they hired Gus Bradley to replace Matt Uberflus. Obviously, he's the defensive uh, off, uh, defensive uh, coordinator for the uh, for the Raiders. Now with the with the Colts, we talked about Matt Eberflus and, and the disaster that happened in Jacksonville, uh, and so they they hired Gus Bradley. Is that a good move or bad move for the Colts? I mean, it's a guy who's familiar with the AFC South, being the former Jacksonville coach. He's familiar with the AFC in general, with with being in in in, in LA with the Raiders. So um, it's not a sexy pick. It's it was it's it, it fills a need. It's a guy who. Um, it's very familiar with the Jaguars, Texans, and Titans, which is what you need. So, um, I mean, it's it's like a seven out of ten. You, it's it's not something that's gonna um, spark anybody's interest too bad too much, but it, but it, but it fills the hole in the need that they needed. Well, hopefully he misses well with Darius Leonard and DeForest Buckner. That's for sure. Real quickly, just because we're on the the topic and everybody's talking about it this week, as a Colts fan, how happy are you to see Tom Brady retire? <laughs> I mean. You know, it's it's one of those things that once he left the he once he left the um, once he left the the Patriots, Patriots. I was cool with them. <laughs> well, yeah, when he went to the box, so uh, we'll see. But you guys have a great weekend, and uh, we'll talk next week for the Super Bowl. We look forward to it. Thank you, Tony. Take care. Tony Donahue of the Tony D Podcast and BurnoutSports.com. We're going to get that up on social media. Make sure that. You uh, go there, follow them, and follow what's what's going uh, uh, on with. Uh, I'm really excited. We have a big uh, race uh, fan base here on the show. I follow racing. I'm a big race fan. I'm excited to watch this uh, clash today. See how that plays out, and you know, see what kind of mayhem comes out of, out of that, right? 
State Farm, maybe they got the commercial going there. I may see that commercial. Our poll of the day is, what's your favorite Mars candy? Is it M&M's? Is it Skittles? What is it? We've got that up. Um, obviously coming on the heels of Mars deciding that they're leaving NASCAR. That's a huge announcement. Uh, so we'll see how that plays out and, and obviously how that's going to affect going forward with Joe Gibbs uh, racing. Thank you, Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, for joining us and helping us break down the NFL as we get ready for the Super Bowl. Uh, and that's coming up next week. we got our Super Bowl special. Now, this is very, very important uh, that we are still in, in conversations if we're going to have a show on both Saturday and Sunday. But either which way, it's very, very important that you know that Sunday, if you want to listen to the Super Bowl a special live kick off your Super Bowl Sunday with us. We've been doing this for years. Uh, it does not interfere with any of your national media. Most importantly, does not interfere with the Puppy Bowl. Uh, so make sure that you you tune in live here uh, where you do all the time Blog Talk Radio. That's our our live feed facilitator. But if you do listen to us on the podcast, keep in mind that you can also listen to the Super Bowl special on Sunday because as soon as we're done, that'll drop into your podcast format. So wherever you're listening to your podcast that it'll you'll get the notification on that. So you can still start your your uh, Super Bowl Sunday uh, with that. My name is Tom Mark with Fell President. Thank you, Steve Wilson of SpeedwayDigest.com. Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, NSI.com, and Tony Donahue of the Tony D Podcast and BurnoutSports.com. Thank you all for making this show a success. Make sure that you hit like on your uh, uh, podcast and and be a, a part of that so we know who, how awesome that we are because we already know. We also want to know how awesome you are. So go ahead and make sure that you hit like and subscribe on the podcast of your choice. My name is Tom Marquis, El Presidente. I'm out of here. Don't drink and drive. It isn't cool. Deuces. Join us next week for The Balance. In the meantime, check us out on Twitter, T-Balance, or Facebook, The Balance, or online at www.thebalanceonline.com.